0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: Let's go to Eric in Virginia, looking at Alcoa. I've been watching Alcoa for a while. Um, one of the commodities I hadn't pulled the trigger on, but I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
1: I, mean, I, I like commodity prices. Uh, remember, aluminum is highly, highly energy intensive to produce that's going to mean it's going to be difficult to compete against the likes of an Alcoa.
0: Invest Talk, Over 40 million downloads and counting. Across America and around the world, your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART.
2: this podcast is produced by kpp financial steve peasley president kpp financial independent thinking shared success and now today's podcast
1: good afternoon everybody and welcome to invest talk this is our wednesday april 6th 2022 edition of invest talk i am justin klein i look forward to doing this hour with you and answering your finance and investment questions and giving you straight and unbiased answers and helping you navigate this market environment. And today was just another one of a continuation of the trend growth underperforming, large cap growth. Look at the morning star style box down 3.4% large cap value up 0.64%. That's a 4% difference in a single day. A single day. That's pretty wild. But today was fed uh, minutes announcement to kind of overview of what they said during their last meeting, and how that's going to impact uh, policy going forward. And clearly, the market was okay with it in some senses and others not so much. But that's a quick overview, I'll get to a little bit more of the data on, uh, you know, on a recap later. But ultimately, on this show, it's about helping you understand the current market you operate in, and how to avoid the pitfalls. And the pitfalls of today are different, in many ways from the pitfalls of just a few years ago, The type of investments that are going to do well are very different in an inflationary environment as opposed to a disinflationary environment. We're just coming out of really 30 years of inflation being very, very moderate. Well, we're entering a period and it may be only a decade. It may be three, four decades. Who knows? We don't know that yet, but we can see the trends and COVID kind of started off and it's just going to continue higher inflation and therefore a focus on the markets that are different. And if you're paying attention, you're seeing these trends. And so my job here is to keep you abreast of the trends and get you thinking in the right way because that's, the beginning, that's the root of your eventual decision-making is understanding where to focus. A lot of people, thats if you look at biases, that's one of my favorite biases that people don't realize. I didn't realize it until I was reading up on different biases that I had it. And it's the thing that you're focusing on that's right in front of you you put more emphasis on it because it's 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 in front of you. It's part of your thought process. And you think that that's, that's more important than most other things that go into the end decision because that's what you are educated on, you're gathering data on, you're thinking about. Even though some other aspect might be just as, if not more important, but you don't know that because you're not focusing on it. So your frame of mind is extremely important. And if you still have the frame of mind that you had pre-COVID when it comes to investing, you're going to make a lot more mistakes. So my job is to help you uncover the opportunities and also the risks and do your best to Recognize the opportunities and avoid as many risks as you can. You're never going to bat a thousand. Understand that. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone does things wrong from time to time. It's about putting the odds in your favor and making consistently good decisions with your money. So on this podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is is always independent thinking and shared success, which means I'm not Kramer, I'm not banging bells and whistles, I'm not just following the latest trend, looking at the reality on the ground. And so what I'm talking about the market as a whole, longer term trends, particular stock that you're looking at, that you're calling in about, a sector, a process, whatever it is, I'm here to present it all without bias. Just give you the facts as I see them. I have a lot of data in front of me, and I also have 20-plus years of investment experience and a lot of time analyzing the decades and decades and decades before that. We had the S&P. That was down 44 points today, about 1%. And the NYSE, that was down about 57 points. Definitely better, only about uh, a little less than half a percent uh, there really this is just a pullback to support uh, and you know there the, the the fed announcement talked about a 50 basis point a lot of members wanted a 50 basis point hike last meeting and are the expectations for the next meeting which is uh, early next month is for a 50 basis point hike and that is likely to be that, that that's priced in about 80% plus in the market when the market prices that type of um Odds in, the Fed likes to give it to the market. <clears throat> the market, or the Fed does not like to surprise the market. So, this talk of a 50 basis point hike at the last meeting and thus likely next meeting, that's already known. It's baked in. The market is already pricing in eight Fed rate hikes this year, which means there is a lot of, uh, there is a lot of, a lot of the, rhetoric and forward guidance that the fed gives its goal is to affect the market today and it's done that in a big big way to me what they've been doing is collecting bullets in their holster without actually having to do a whole lot you know you can talk about being very 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 hawkish and the market's going to react to it you see with short term rates the 2 year the 10 year rates are are mooning In Reddit terms. But they've only raised rates one time. Which means that their forward guidance is working. It's taking the wind out of the economy in a bit. I think pretty quickly. Faster than it normally has. So I think they actually have a lot of bullets left in the holster. I think they'll use it. Meaning they'll take some of those rate hikes off the table. Because what the 210 inversion is telling you is that if they do go with those eight rate hikes, they are going to break something. Um, so, but near term, I think, uh, there's still liquidity and, uh, this is a support area in the market, uh, at least for probably another month or so. Now let's go to Dan in Pleasanton. Actually, no, we're going to go to a break and then we'll get to Dan. Now, Steve and I are thankful for your podcast support and our free downloads will continue. So I'm going to make you aware of a couple other ways to find our content. One is our YouTube channel as well as Instagram we're building out content over there. So head over to those platforms and search Invest Talk. Remember, two T's. Now, the phone lines are open. So give us a call now at 888-99-CHART.
0: You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, and this is no time to lose focus. So get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, eight 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 ninety nine chart.
1: Let's go talk to Dan in Pleasanton. He's looking at Lowe's.
3: Hey, uh, Justin, uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. And um, I've got a question with regards to um, you know, it's dropped. Lowe's has dropped um, since the beginning of the year about sixty bucks.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: um, I was wondering, is this due to inflation? Um, and maybe the slowdown of, um, housing,
1: um, sales. I think it's the latter, uh, inflation. I don't know. I would say inflation, but definitely this, uh, the market's pricing in a slowdown in housing. And I think the companies like this, that supply to the remodel market, I think they're going to be hit the most because think about it. Cash out refinancing has been a big boom. Especially during the COVID times, when interest rates were very low, and people had a lot equity in their homes, and they needed to remodel for reasons that not were not just for for fun. It was for I hey, I need an office, or I need an extra, I need to build an office, or remodel my office. I, I I'm moving, um, or I, I've 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 land. I just need to have more space because I'm spending more time at home. So they had the ability to do that. But now, with interest rates at five percent. Not very many people are going to be, re- be be refinancing their home and especially doing a cash out refinance to go spend at lows. And so that's what you're seeing here is this this decline in, in, in share price and growth is clearly slowing. Last quarter, revenue was only at 5% and earnings were flat year over year. Last year, a year prior, revenues were up 27%, earnings up 41%. So you're seeing that sharp deceleration there. In uh, in growth and it's likely to turn negative. Now, where is the floor? I'm not sure, um, but I, I I don't like the trends. I don't like the, the you know the higher mortgage rates that are taking the wind out of the sales of the cash out refinance market. Um, so, Lowe's is a good company, but I think it's uh, far away from being a great value with the current trends in the market. Thanks for the call, Dan. Let's go to Eric in Virginia looking at Alcoa.
3: Hey, how's it going, Justin? Hey, um I didn't get to say this last time we talked, but I just want to say thank you guys for everything. Um you taught me a lot, so
1: appreciate, just really it. appreciate that. I'm glad you're getting a lot out yeah, of
3: it. Yeah, so I've been watching Alcoa for a while. Um one of the commodities I hadn't pulled the trigger on, but I was curious if you still think aluminum
4: has a ways to go from here.
1: Uh yeah, I mean I, I like commodity prices. Uh w- remember, a- aluminum is highly highly energy intensive to produce and that's going to mean if you're in an area like europe for example where energy prices are mooning you're it's going to be difficult to compete against the likes of an alcoa because alcoa is mainly a a u.s company it's vertically integrated and it's the world's world's largest uh bauxite miner and aluminum, aluminum refiner by volume. And so I actually, I like Alcoa. I think, uh, you know, the fact that they're able to produce in cheaper uh, energy markets uh, is, is is definitely a big benefit uh, to them. And you can see that in the earnings. Earnings expectations to be $11.40 this year, by far an all-time high. Now, remember, it's very volatile, the price of uh, aluminum and historically they go from making good money to losing money and it's not uncommon to see big uh, earning swings but i like this longer term in this new multipolar world and higher energy prices overall so thanks for the call now we're moving into a break and i'm taking your invest talk calls live right now so why don't you pick up the phone 888-99-CHART
0: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
1: Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question What should investors make of Elon's? Elon Musk's largest Twitter or large Twitter stake. Now he acquired about 9.2% of the business. And on this is announced on Monday. And the price of the shares went up 27%, the biggest one-day move in the company's public history. And they also said that he would be joining the board. Now, he's seeking influence on opening up the platform and how it controls content, uh, maybe push more subscription models, etc. But there's this this kind of muddies the water, I think even more for for Twitter that's been trying to find its way post Jack Dorsey, they have a new CEO Parag Agrawal. uh, And he you know historically elon's been uh, been up and down with his use of twitter uh, it's got him in trouble with the sec remember his 420 uh buyout he's also uh in the midst uh i think he's still in the midst of a defamation case in where he called one uh is he still in the midst of it yeah oh he had a settlement excuse me and he called someone a pedophile uh, who was part of uh, the, some group that was trying to save those. I think they were soccer players that were stuck in a well, something like that. Uh, and so there was there was that. Uh, he also has called has used the platform to call California fascist for shutting down California's uh, or the uh, Twitter, not Twitter, the Tesla uh, plant. In California during COVID, even though recently, China did the same thing in Shanghai, and he didn't really say a whole lot. Um, But the the end result here is I think there's going to be more pressure. And I think the pressure is actually good. I think Twitter is a fantastic platform. I know the user growth isn't as good as some other platforms, but high-profile people use it. And it's kind of the new way you do PR, right? If, instead of a public release, you just tweet it. You don't need you know to send it out to uh, you know the Associated Press or anything like that. And I think there's power in that, and clearly there's power in Elon because love him or hate him, he's a figure that demands attention, and. He has 80 million Twitter followers that uh, a lot of them hang on his every word. And so I actually think this is positive for Twitter and will likely lead to better decisions in regards to the business longer term, bring more attention to it. And that's what they need. They need somebody to shake it up. Now, is Elon the right person? I don't know, but... Uh, they've been stuck in a malaise for a while and not being able to really capitalize on their platform. And I think this is uh, potential for a big change. Now, let's swing back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier at 888 Chart.
3: Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Rick from Maryland. I had a question in regards to selling puts. So I'm not really a big investor, right? Full time job. I, I don't have time to kind of. Break down everything, right? But let's just say I like a company at a certain price, but only if it gets to that certain price. Is there any disadvantage to saying, hey, I'm just going to sell the, the put at, at that price. If it gets there, great. Or otherwise, you know, at least I'm making a premium. Hopefully that makes sense. I think that makes sense. I just don't really understand all the nuances selling options. Look forward to hearing from you guys on the podcast. Thanks.
1: All right. Great question. The answer is the, the downside is if you get your position too big. Now there is, there are ways to get yourself in trouble in a big way by selling put options, and that means if they are not cash secured, so cash secured put options are pretty low risk. You have exposure to the underlying. But at a lower price, ideally, like you said, targeting that lower price that you'd like to buy it at. Problem is, if it's too far, say it's 30% away, and especially if it's not a very volatile stock typically, your premium is not going to be very big. So, what a lot of people are tempted to do is say, well, I'll sell, instead of selling uh, one put that amounts for 100 shares, that equates to 100 shares. They say well i want to get more premiums so i'm going to sell five puts and that's 500 shares and suddenly if it does get down to that price that 500 shares is a large percentage of your portfolio and that gets you highly exposed to that particular position so that's the problem that it presents to you is keeping your position size correct so that it's not more than five percent of your overall portfolio so that if it blows well past that strike price where you think it's a good value, maybe you're wrong. Maybe it's at hundred. You think a great value is at 80 and it blows right through that. It goes to 50. Well, did you sell too many puts and now you're on the hook for, uh, yeah, buying an 80, but now you have a $30 per share loss on a lot of shares, a lot more than you were bargaining for because you were chasing yield. That's where people get in trouble as long as they're cash secured and uh, a reasonable small percentage of your portfolio, I think you're fine. Now we're heading to a break. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart
0: Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
3: Hi, Stephen, Justin. I have a question regarding the stock. Google, G-O-O-G-L, for the A shares, but they also offer C shares, which the symbol is G-O-O-G. I wanted to get into the stock before the split, but was wondering if it would be better to go and buy into the A shares, If you can explain what the difference is with the two. I don't think I want to be a shareholder that can vote, so it doesn't really matter, but what you think would be the better share type to get into. Thank you for your show, and I'll be listening for the answer.
1: All right, well, G-O-O-G has no voting rights, and G-O-O-G-L does have voting rights. And you're probably correct. You don't care, typically care too much. And the difference in share price is pretty. Let me see. G-O-O-G is 2743 to close today. G-O-O-G-L is 2730. So it looks like a slight discount. That's kind of odd. Um, I would go with the cheaper one, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think like it matters too much, to be honest with you. They're going to be highly correlated, and you're not uh, worrying about the voting anyway. So, unless somebody activist is put taking a big a big uh, stake in it, which is difficult uh, considering Google's size of oh, what's their market cap right now, one point eight trillion. I don't think any activist is going to try to tackle Google, especially because their business has been, you know, pretty good over the years. So, yeah, I would go with the one that's just trading at the cheaper price. Thanks for the call. Eighty-eight ninety-nine chart. Eighty-eight ninety-nine two four two seven eight. We have about twenty minutes left in the show, so get your calls in now. Let's talk about Wall Street and their loans to the energy industry, clean energy as well as oil and gas. Now, banks underwrote more than $100 billion of bonds and loans for clean energy use in the first quarter and $95 billion in borrowing for oil and gas firms in the first quarter. Now, last year was the first year where banks actually underwrote more more investment, uh, more capex in the green space versus your traditional oil and gas. In 2018, four times as much money was raised by banks for fossil fuels than clean energy. So that's a big shift in just three years. But this is a good example of why we're in an environment where energy is likely to continue to go higher, fossil fuels, because of the lack of investment. When there's a push by banks, think JP Morgan trying to be more green. It means that the cost of capital is higher for oil and gas projects and less overall get financed. Now, Citigroup arranged more green debt than fossil fuel debt for the first time last year. But in the first quarter, it reversed that a bit. But still, not in a giant way. And that's what's interesting to me is with oil prices so high, you would think, It's very attractive right now to lend for new capacity because you have a pretty, pretty healthy confidence that they're going to pay back those loans. And on the green side, the supply chain issues are making it more difficult for clean energy projects to actually get up and running. And they pushed up the costs as well. Think of solar panels and the chips that go into that. The cost of the solar panels have gone down over the last decade plus because they've been produced in China using cheap, dirty energy, coal. And now that's kind of reversed with the shortage of coal, increasing cost of natural gas, and China rationing their energy use. And so the cost of solar panels have actually started to go back up. And so that's causing issues as well. One bank that actually lent a lot more in the fossil fuel space was Fargo 6.7 to one in the first quarter, a 6.3 to one last year. So they're actually stepping in. And I think that uh, that bodes well. For Wells Fargo, I'd rather be, frankly, if you're just following the money. There, in 2018, it arranged 68 times more talking about Wells Fargo, more financing for oil and gas than green projects. So I thought that was extremely interesting to see uh, a big dichotomy between Citigroup and J.P. Morgan and then Wells Fargo. Well, let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. The questions come in all day and night on 888-99-CHART.
3: Uh, hello. Uh, this question is for Justin. I'm just wondering what you think about Roblox, RBLX. Um, I was always impressed by the large number of users it has, young users, and thinking that might turn into, they turn older and they use it even more and they have, their kids use it or whatever. But anyway, it's doing poorly, as you know, and I was just wondering
1: whether you think it's time to sell it. Thanks. Bye. Definitely time to sell it. In a downtrend, it's trading at extremely high multiples based on previous earnings and forward earnings are getting worse. This is a good example of hey, it did well during the pandemic. Kids were sitting at home uh, a lot. They were they were uh, homeschooled, right? Everyone was doing their Zoom calls and babysitting their kids. Now, pe- now kids are back in in class and they're not at home sitting on Roblox nearly as much, and that's why earnings are supposed to be negative this year, seventy-seven cents, and get worse next year, negative ninety-two cents. That's down from twenty-four cents in earnings in twenty twenty and five cents in earnings in twenty twenty-one. They the, the trends are clearly changing, and and you're you're talking about them using it more as they get older. That's actually the opposite. As you get older, you use video games less and. These things are very fickle. One day it's, uh, you know, I'm excited about Roblox and, you know, the, the next month it, it might be another a game and, and then Roblox is, is passe. It's old, right? Um, and so last quarter they lost 25 cents a share. The, the growth of revenue is, is decelerating dramatically. I think this is a fantastic short, short. I would definitely not be owning this name. Thanks for the call. Now. The second quarter has begun. Today was just the fourth trading day of the year and the stock market, as we know, it's volatile and we're transitioning into a new regime. And the question is, is your portfolio ready? Is your portfolio position for 2018, 19, 20 or 22, 23, 24? very different markets, very different companies that are doing well. One is a deflationary environment of the past, and now we're in an inflationary environment. So if you need help understanding whether your portfolio is set up for success in this new regime, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company KPP Financial, where we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success where we practice unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and parallel investing, where we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or GoToMeeting, or you can call our office at 800-557-5461, or just head over to investtalk.com and click on the portfolio review tab under InvestTalk, the InvestTalk tab, excuse me. No obligations, we'd love to help you in any way. Next up, we'll go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank, so hang on. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance
0: and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Eight 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 ninety
1: nine chart. Now, I know I teased the voice bank, but we have a live question first. Richard in Santa Clarita talking about PayPal.
3: Yeah. Hi, Justin. Uh, Long term uh, listener um, mm-hmm. on my part. Uh, enjoy the show quite a bit. I have a question to you uh, on PayPal. Um, you know, at one point in this last year it was as high as $310 and it has taken a huge drop. Uh a couple of things I remember you saying uh when it, you know, when it was like at about 165 in that range, uh you had mentioned that a good valuation for the stock was really about, you know, 125, you know, about that. And I also recall I think uh, a caller once asked you know, about uh, PayPal versus, like, Visa or MasterCard. And you were a bigger proponent of PayPal because it, you know, was the more the, the future direction uh, versus, you know, the traditional credit card. So I guess my question to you, PayPal is now at about $112. Uh, if you're looking to buy and hold this, you know, you know even for a, a five-year period or so, Is it a good thing to get into right now at this this price?
1: Well, I will say, like I said before, this is a a pretty good support area and a decent valuation. Uh, The problem is the economic backdrop. In, In an environment where growth is slowing like we have here in the second quarter, these type of companies will continue to be hit more than most and today's a good example down 4.4% and it's lumped in with kind of the large cap growth stocks and that's that's what it is and so near term not a, a giant fan of it but it is starting to get down to a price that gets me gets me pretty excited talking about free cash flow last 12 12 months about 5.5 billion and, you know, they call it a four and a half, five 5% free cash flow yield, which is decent. It's not a screaming buy by any means, but, you know, it's in the ball. It's starting to get in the ballpark. It, when it was 300 per share, it was egregiously overvalued. Now it's at 112. And in, once again, in the ballpark. But I don't like the, the backdrop. Uh, but if we get through maybe the second quarter, maybe mid third quarter, the summer, end of summer, I think that might be an area that might start to get a lot more attractive. So, PayPal is on my radar now that it is mm-hmm. in the ballpark, but and it's probably mm-hmm. a decent price long term, but it's not screaming by yet. Uh, and I would be patient on it because the chart is still pretty bearish.
3: Yeah, now let's grab another Invest Talk voice bank question. Long. on, Oh, what was that? Oh, I was going to say, if you're going to hold it for a long, long time, probably, you would you still say you'd uh, go for PayPal in the long
1: run over MasterCard or Visa? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I still, I still believe that. Thanks for the call. Now, let's grab an InvestTalk Voice Bank question on crypto.
4: Hi, this is Vivian Martin. What's going to be happening when we go to cryptocurrency? I understand that May 20th is the last date for the white paper for the Feds to be reviewed. And, uh, Biden's already signed into law cryptocurrency for our future. I think it's kind of ironic that people that aren't going to be affected by 401k law have now put into a new, into effect a new law. That means that it's mandatory. So they're going to be able to take our money anytime anyway. Thank you. Bye.
1: I'm not sure what you mean by that. Uh, I know the Fed is looking at a central bank digital currency, and I think that will be rolled out at some point. And, you know, could they confiscate your money because of that? Probably. And that's why I've always been a bit skeptical on independent, decentralized cryptocurrencies, because at the end of the day, governments have control. Governments have power, whether you like it or not. Just look at the last couple of months, what the U.S. and and Europe has done to Russia. Now, I'm not opining whether that's uh, uh, justified or not. It's not what this is about. It's about simply showing their power that they have. Uh, They were able to confiscate some crypto wallets from the Canadian trucker. Uh, protesters they can they can they have the power remember while while cryptocurrency operates in the ether especially in today's world you should always realize that what matters the most is what is in the real world the ability to source basic needs food energy housing and those exist within the jurisdiction of governments. And so is it a shock to me that they're looking to plan to launch a, a, a central bank digital currency? No, they're just leveraging the technology that was built independently and allows them to have more control. Now you can call that a, con- is that a conspiracy? No, it's just governments have always found ways to put in systems that, Gives them more ability to be technocratic, to implement their ultimate policy goals. Um, so, does that mean that they're going to steal your money? Probably not. Um, but is this a tool that will allow them to have more control? Certainly. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So, get your questions in now at 888 99 Chart.
0: Markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk eight 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 ninety nine chart.
4: Yes, this is Becky from Kansas City, Missouri, and I have a question about the sale of your personal residence. Let's say you sell it at a profit, you've lived there say 15 years and you sell it for 200000 more than what you paid for it. And you're also in a little bit of a high income tax bracket. So you pay Irma to Medicare. I'm trying to see what effect the sale of the home would have on the health insurance. I, I guess that's countered as income. So it would make my income go up $200,000 and then my health insurance would go higher next two years. Is there any way around this? Can I buy another home for more than what I sold this one for to avoid having $200,000 in income? Thank you. Love your show. Bye.
1: Well, typically I say talk to a CPA because I'm not a licensed, uh, a CPA but this one's super easy because it's uh, very straightforward you have a $250,000 tax exemption on any home that you lived in for 2 of the last 5 years and if you're married it's 5 it's, it's, 200, it's 250,000 for each of you so 500,000 if you're married filing jointly so you shouldn't have to worry about that $200,000 gain you have lived in it said 15 years so I'm assuming that's 2 of the last uh, 5 then you're you're good to go so uh, you probably shouldn't have to worry about that. But I would consult, always consult, especially in times like this. When you're selling a home, you have gains, uh, make sure that you talk to a CPA. And on your basis, too, you have to think about is you can add in your uh, your improvement costs. So say so you bought the house for $200,000, but over those 15 years, you put in $100,000 for a new air conditioner and a new floor and painting the house and you know various things you can add that to your cost basis and, and reduce your total gain. Now it sounds like you're going to fit under that 200, 250,000 exemption anyway, but always uh, think about that. So thanks for the question and I don't love tax questions, but that one's always pretty straightforward. Now let's talk about natural gas and natural gas prices. Now, usually natural gas prices decline into the spring, we're in the spring now, and that's usually when heating demand drops, it gets a little warmer, but it's not quite warm enough to run your air conditioning all day long and put demands on power plants. Well, this year is a bit different. Prices are climbing into the spring, obviously that part of that is the war, and record export volumes to Europe of LNG, liquefied natural gas. Now, last year, we were the largest exporter to Europe, of natural gas to Europe, and we passed countries like Qatar and Australia. And in December, we became the world's largest exporter of LNG. We are the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. And that's great for our companies, but if you're talking about your gas bill or your sorry, your electric bill or the input costs for all types of manufactured goods that are made here. That's actually a negative thing. Why? Because natural gas prices hit a hundred percent increase year over year and up 50% so far this year. Now, pre pandemic prices were near record lows and Typically, producers torpedoed prices by upping their drilling activity. Well, that's not happening now. The amount of gas in storage in the lower 48 states is 17% below the five-year average at this time of the year. Even though production is increasing, but the demand is increasing at a faster pace, especially because of, of LNG. And so LNG has put a new floor on natural gas prices and thus electricity prices here in the US because we rely heavily on natural gas to produce our electricity. And it goes into things like plastics, fertilizer, concrete, steel, etc. So uh, this is going to be interesting to see how this is likely to continue to go higher. Um, The LNG capacity is going to ramp up around 2025. So it's gonna be a few years before even more of that LNG ships uh, overseas. And I think that'll be the time where uh, you really put pressure on natural gas prices and administrations, whoever that next administration is, if it is one uh, and potentially banning exports. We'll see what that happens. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another invest talk program, Steve Peasley. And I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now, tracking over 40 million in our history, thanks to you. You get your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you do that, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of
2: the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made